From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. Can one Ohio Democrat overturn permitless carry? Can a non-resident carry permitless in West Virginia? Will a Florida candidate for governor succeed in making it legal for marijuana users to own firearms? What is going on with Ohio's crazy primary election? And will Biden get his second anti-gun nominee confirmed as head of the ATF? That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Rob Sexton, BFA Legislative Affairs Director. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dean. It's good to be with you again. Rob, I'm going to complain about the weather again. Maybe I'm just becoming a baby as I get older, but you know what? This nutty Ohio weather, especially in the spring... One day it's 80 degrees, the next day it's snowing. I swear I went out to get the mail the other day and I was wearing a short sleeve shirt. I thought I was dressed right. And I got outside and it's snowing on me. (laughs) And so this is is like Ohio weather. Now it seems like in the fall, you know, we kind of glide into cooler weather, but in the spring it bounces all over the place. And I'm like shaking my fist at the sky thinking I wish the weather gods would just make up their minds. Volatile. I totally agree. Crazy. I don't know what you do if you're like going hunting or something and you get out there and you're all wrapped up with, you know, a heavy shirt and a coat and everything because it's cold in the morning. And then by midday, it's 80 degrees and you're sweating all over the place. I mean, would you just have to carry your coat around? And, you know, Lots a, of layers, lots of layers and the ability to shed them. Yeah. Shed them where though? I mean, you have to like carry a backpack so you can put everything in it. And uh, yeah, that's right. So I'm just... I'm getting touchy in my old age, Rob. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Well, so I, I just wanted to kick this off before we get into some more serious topics. Just in case some of our listeners eventually hear about this, House Bill 630. Now, this is from, and I'm, I'm going to say her name wrong, Tavia Galonsky, Tavia Galonsky. She's a Democrat out of Akron, and just for the record, She's got like a 10% voting record, which makes her an absolute F grade. Uh, She's always been an F. That means she votes against us, votes against the gun bills 90% of the time. Right. And, uh, you know, we've got vote tracking records going back 20 years. So, you know, as long as she's been in there, she's been voting against us. What she's trying to do with House Bill 630 is roll back permitless carry. Rob, it's not even a law yet. I mean, it's been signed, but it doesn't go into effect for a couple months, and she is already trying to repeal Senate Bill 215. Is this a serious bill? I mean, this is not going to go anywhere, right? It's not going anywhere. I mean, the same legislature that, you know, that that agreed to take all the slings and arrows from anti-gun folks to pass Senate Bill 215, they're not going to turn around and repeal it before it even takes effect. This is basically virtue signaling out of Representative Galonsky. She voted against the bill. She voted against every other gun bill that's been heard in this General Assembly. So I, I think it's just she's planting the flag in the ground that she's against 
permitless carry and wants everyone to know. And she'll probably fundraise off this. I mean, this is pretty common. Uh, so it, it's House Bill 630, so 630. What that means is that in the House, there have been 630 bills introduced. Most of these, because it starts out with one, right? HB1 right. and HB2 in every two-year session. So we're up to 630 now, probably higher than that. By the by the end of the year, the end of the session, we could be at 700 or 800 bills. Most of these bills go nowhere. They, get, right. they get into a committee, maybe, and that's it. That's all that ever happens. That's right. Uh, you know, the only the only thing to remember is that the House rules mandate that each bill gets one hearing. So, you know, I think at some point her bill will get heard. And when it does, you know, I think folks are going to have to remember that that's just the House rule there. There's just no chance they're going to pass this bill. She's just, you know, letting everybody know that she is anti-gun, much the same way that Senator Thomas introduced a bill repealing the uh, duty to retreat law two years ago, practically minutes after that bill was signed into law. So that's just the nature of Galonsky. That's she wants everyone to know that she is anti-gun. Your tax dollars at work. Absolutely. Because not only do they have to take up time with the legislature, the uh, Legislative Service Commission, they've got to write up the bill, right? They've got to spend time on it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they'll actually do an analysis or not, but it takes up people's time. Those are tax dollars being spent mm-hmm. for probably hundreds of bills every year where the sponsors know they're not going to go anywhere. It's like just a complete waste of time. Uh, so your tax dollars are being spent so that some legislators can do fundraising, uh, do speeches, send out press releases. I've not seen a press release from her yet. I actually checked the website, but it, it's not going to go anywhere. There's no, there's no chance. And I, I would be happy to make a bet with anybody. I'd, I'll bet a hundred bucks. It doesn't go absolutely anywhere. If someone wants to take me up on that, let me know. Yep. Because uh, I, I could use the extra hundred bucks. Me too. So uh, House Bill six thirty. Don't sweat it. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. So talking about permitless carry, you know, we passed that here in Ohio. The governor signed it, and Buckeye Firearms Association started getting questions about permitless carry in West Virginia. So this kind of came out of left field, and all the questions were. You know, I thought I could carry without a permit in West Virginia, but I've got a neighbor, I've got a friend, an instructor, a sheriff, whoever, told me that only West Virginia residents can carry permitless, so, you know, what's going on? So I decided to look into it. Actually, I was I was kind of surprised how recent this was. West Virginia revoked its carry license mandate on May 24th, 2016, so just six years ago, and I think they were the eighth state at that point, for permitless carry. And so six years later, here we are. I think that there are 25, 26 states now with permitless carry. So a lot's been going on with this. But I asked, you know, since that has passed, I was talking to some people in West Virginia, has any other laws passed? It was, you know, was it originally resident only or whatever? They told me no. So I I decided to look at a couple of resources. I looked at the Traveler's Guide to the Firearms Laws of the 50 States, which we sell on our website, by the way. And that indicates that, you know, no, you can carry their uh, permitless if you're not a resident. I checked out handgunlaw.us, run by a friend of mine 
in West Virginia, great website. If you want to track carry laws all over, it's a little more specific on what it says. It specifically says, you know, any resident or non-resident can carry. But I decided to go right to West Virginia law. So if you want to check this out, there's a, an article on our website. Just search for West Virginia permitless carry or something along those lines, and uh, my article will come up. So this is West Virginia Law, Chapter 61, Article 7, and it says, Any person may carry a concealed deadly weapon without a license, and you just have to be 21 years of age, a citizen or a legal resident, and so on. So that's it. There, there is no residency requirement whatsoever in West Virginia, Rob. Well, you know, and that's good because that matches ours, you know, that our new permitless carry law, which is going to go into effect here shortly, uh, works much the same way. I think that's how we would prefer all of these functions. So it's good to know that our neighbor to the east, uh, you know, allows Ohioans to carry. So just like here in Ohio, I just, you know, caveat, it's not full-blown constitutional carry, meaning if you can own a gun, you can carry a gun. They do have some requirements for carry that are a little bit beyond just owning a firearm. So that's similar to what we have in Ohio. And if you're in any way curious about what the disqualifiers are, and it's, you know, if you're convicted of, uh, uh, you know, a felony, if you're addicted to alcohol, if you have domestic violence, I, I recommend that if you're in doubt, look it up. Again, look up that article that I wrote. There's a link directly to the West Virginia law, and you can look up the disqualifiers. So just be careful about that. If you're going to try to carry permitless, if you have a license from Ohio, that kind of solves the problem because there's reciprocity. You have the license, you're good to go. Good deal. So uh, that brings us to our next topic, Rob. Doobies and guns. <laughs> I, I don't know if they – doobies. That I mean, that takes me back to the 70s. I'm probably, once again, just being um, an old guy here. Uh, marijuana. Okay, marijuana. So I saw this really interesting article, Rob, which I shared with you, and there's something going on in Florida, which I found kind of amusing, but also something that I agree with. Florida's agriculture commissioner, Nikki, I think it's pronounced Freed, but it's spelled F-R-I-E-D, which <laughs> looks like fried. Yes. And, I, and because we're talking about marijuana, I really, really want your name to be Fried. I, I think for the purpose of this podcast, for the rest of this segment, Nikki Freed wants to get fried and pack. You know, that's what we're talking about here today. So yeah. let's call her Nikki Fried. Nick, for, Nikki for Fried. So, so yes. it's pronounced Freed, but for purposes of this conversation, we're going to call her Nikki Fried yes. because that is just an awesome name for, for a former lobbyist for the cannabis industry. I, I don't think it gets any more perfect than that. So I guess she is a Democrat in Florida. She's running for governor. So she's got a difficult primary coming up. And even if she wins her primary, she's going to be going up against uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. So for some reason, her office, the Agriculture Department in Florida, oversees Florida's Concealed Weapons and Firearm Licensing Program. Now, if we have any listeners, or Rob, if, if you know why, the Agriculture Department oversees weapons licenses in Florida. Please tell me, because that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Rob, do you have any idea why that would be? I, I couldn't possibly even hazard a guess. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
I mean, I would understand if they oversaw the marijuana industry. Right. But right. A weapons license. Yeah, I can't see the agricultural <clears throat> connection here, but Nikki Fried is in charge of guns, <laughs> is what we're saying. <laughs> Nikki Fried. Yes. Nikki Fried. So so she's a Democrat. She's a former lobbyist. This is true for the cannabis industry. And she's a pretty vocal advocate for marijuana use. And I guess they have medical marijuana cards there, just like we do here in Ohio. And she's been very vocal. She's come right out and said, look, you know, I've got a marijuana card, but she also has a concealed weapons card as well for Florida. So she owns a gun. Apparently, she carries a gun or at least has the license. And she has a medical marijuana card. So I'm not sure that that's exactly legal, but that's kind of what the complaint is because in Florida— they have the same problem we do here in Ohio. You know, there are like 37 states, including Ohio, including Florida, that have legalized medical marijuana, but on the federal level, marijuana continues to be a Schedule One controlled substance for some reason. And when you buy a firearm, you fill out that form 4473, and it asks you really specifically if you're an unlawful drug user. And if you answer that incorrectly, if you lie on that form, beware, because that is punishable by up to five years in prison. This is a serious felony offense. Wow. So what she's doing is she's bringing a lawsuit officially as the state's agriculture commissioner. And she's doing this on behalf of, of three Florida residents who have been barred from purchasing firearms based on the fact that they use medical marijuana. Right. And, and her quote is, Medical marijuana is legal. Guns are legal. This is all about people's rights. Well, okay, I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I get where she's coming from. Now, Rob, this might be a big political stunt because her campaign's not going well, but I hope she succeeds in this lawsuit because this is a pretty serious issue. It is. Uh, I, I have to say that Nikki Fried is right. You know, I, I think if the state or many states are going to prescribe someone something medicinally. In this case, that's what they're doing with marijuana. You can't turn around and then say that that's a, a felony. But this really relates back to the dysfunction of Washington, which you know has a hard time passing a bill agreeing that the flag is red, white, and blue. Yeah, and this is again, this is federal law. This is we've you know made medical marijuana illegal in Ohio. I think a lot of people still understand this. I wrote an article about this in 2017. If you want to read this on the website and let me just look it up here. I'm looking at my computer. It's called Medical Marijuana Say Goodbye to Your Gun Rights. Mm-hmm. And I uh, published this in December of 2017. Just go to buckeyefirearms.org. There's a search bar in the upper right. Just search for marijuana. There is only one article on our entire website about marijuana, I guarantee you. So <laughs> this uh, this article will come up. We've got like 15,000 articles going back almost 20 years. So I, I guarantee you'll find it. But it kind of outlines what the problem is, that it's legal on the state level, but it's illegal on the federal level. Right. And uh, – this is just, it's just crazy. You know, I've seen polling, Rob, that says that not only do Democrats support it, but now a majority of Republicans support legalizing marijuana. So it, it just kind of begs the question, when are they finally going to do this on the federal level? Well, I wouldn't hold my breath. 
as I said, they can hardly agree on anything in Washington at this point. So I think this vulnerability for gun owners, it's going to exist for a while unless Nikki Fried is successful in her lawsuit. Nikki, man, her name is actually Nikki Fried, but we're just calling her, if you tuned into the middle of this podcast, we're, we're calling her Nikki Fried just because it's funny. Now, look, she's, I agree with her on this, Rob, but she's, uh, she's not like a big gun advocate. I mean, she's a Democrat. She's supported a lawsuit to overturn preemption in Florida, which is a very big deal. And her office has been involved in a lot of controversy over carry licensing. So she's not, you know, Charlton Heston holding up the rifle, you know, from my cold dead hands or anything like that. Just for whatever reason on this particular issue, she's got it right. I think eventually marijuana needs to be legalized just because it's like alcohol, right? We tried to ban alcohol. We see how that turned out. And, you know, we're trying to ban marijuana and uh, it's not really stopping anybody. So I think eventually it, it, it is going to be legalized, but someone's going to have to have the cojones to step up and introduce a serious <laughs> bill like that, right? I mean, on the federal level, because you know what the political outcome of that's going to be. Well, you know, the, the, the guy who does the doobies and guns bill in Washington, you know, he'll wind up with a primary challenger of his own. So I don't look for this to get cured anytime soon by the legislature. So I think Nikki Fried's got it right. The federal court might be the place to go. Yeah, Nikki Fried. We, I think we can get our name changed to Nikki Fried. And if we use the if we use the word doobies enough, I think we can bring that back. Because I, I like it. There's not a lot from the '70s I want to bring back, except for some rock and roll groups and the word doobies. I think we yes. bring those two things back, then I think that that's that's good for society. Rob, works for me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the big story here, and this is the Ohio primary. This thing just has me pulling my hair out, and obviously, Rob, you've been pulling your hair out. Because uh, what, what? Because I, I'm not seeing much there. That what have, what, what that is going? What happened? Yeah. What What is going on? Well, holy cow! Right. So, uh, you know, it's a series of things, right? It's, what's the book series called? A series of unfortunate events, right? So, you know, Ohio's legislature put an issue on the ballot some years back to redefine how the lines are drawn. So, what are we talking about here? Every ten years, going back. Boy, I don't know, you know, ever since I can remember, it probably goes back a hundred years or more. The legislature rewrites the lines for the state Senate, the state house, and also the congressional delegation, right? So for the state house, that process was called reapportionment and for Congress, it was called redistricting, but it basically was, you know, to the winner goes the spoils. If you control the government of Ohio now, then you'll, you'll redraw the lines for the future. So, you know, in the seventies and eighties, the Democrats had control of the process. And as a result, most of government during that time frame was controlled by the Democrats beginning in the nineties, the Republicans took control in Ohio and they have controlled the process ever since, you know, as I say, every 10 years. So in, uh, in, in 1990, in 2000, in 2010, and it would have stayed that same way, but some legislators thought it would be a good idea to make the process less partisan and more, quote, fair by coming up with a process that, that was supposed to be somewhat bipartisan, which is, of course, a fantasy in today's political world, right? I haven't seen anything bipartisan in a long time. So 
the Republicans have drawn the lines as they always have, because the Democrats would not sign off on any of their uh, versions of what the line should look like. And that all probably would have been fine, except for one judge. So our Supreme Court in Ohio said, what, seven members? It's a four to three Republican court. But the Chief Justice, Maureen O'Connor, who is retiring, has abandoned her fellow Republicans on these rulings. And she has been consistently voting with the three Democrats to strike down the Republican maps one after another. Uh, and this has been going on now for, gosh, what, three months? Well, it's, it's happened four times, hasn't it? They've had four different sets of maps, and they've all yes. been struck down. I mean, what, what, what is she doing? Is she just having kind of a temper tantrum? She's just, she's, she's leaving, so she's just going to tear up the room. Is that it? Yeah, I guess so. You know, so her big contention is that statewide, Ohioans tend to vote 54% Republican, 46% Democrat. And so she has been asserting that the legislative lines should result in a 54-46 split among members of Congress, members of the state Senate, members of the House. But on top of that, she really wants to drill down into how many of these new districts will be competitive versus toss-up. And she really, I mean, Maureen O'Connor wants to write the lines herself. And she keeps sending the Republicans back to the drawing board. They keep coming back with lines that are favorable to, for uh, Republicans, of course, because they're Republicans. And, you know, to the victor goes the spoils. And she keeps knocking down those lines one after another. But the latest development, Dean, is that the federal courts have now become involved. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, this is not just a matter of trying to reset the dates. I mean, it's in the Ohio Constitution that you have to have an election and then certain things have to happen. So the Secretary of State keeps coming out and saying, look, guys, you know, I've got these these dates that I have to meet. And not only is it mandated by the by the Constitution in Ohio, but there's just pragmatic stuff. Like, you know, we have to have ballots mailed out by a certain date because if they don't get out by a certain date, we can't get them back. So it's like you're... You're breaking the law if you don't have the election. You're breaking the law if you do have the election. So, you know, and the, and the feds, I think, have thrown it back at least once and said, look, you guys just solve your own problems. Yeah, so, so, so it, uh, an almost comical development has taken place on that front. So the Republicans have, you know, sued in federal court, asked the feds to uh, help, you know, navigate this entire thing. And the Republicans have said, uh, you know, that they would like to help have the feds, you know, supersede Maureen O'Connor. But the federal judges have said back is, nope, we're not going to help you redraw your lines. If you guys can't solve it, we're going to revert back to version number three, which for the Republicans, I mean, that's the equivalent of what the old, uh, the old children's story, don't throw me back in the briar patch, right? So the Republicans would just love to go back to map number three. So. I don't know how this whole thing is going to turn out, but the one thing you alluded to that we should be clear on is there will not be a primary election for the state house on May 3rd. The only primaries on May 3rd will be for statewide races and congressional races and local races, but your state house 
those primaries are not going to take place until later, until this mess is sorted out. Right. So on May 3rd, um, and I've got a list of them here, it's the federal candidates. So that that's U.S. Senate and U.S. House. Right. It's the Ohio statewide. So we're talking governor, attorney general, auditor, secretary of state, treasurer of state. And then the judicial candidates, interestingly, that's the Ohio Supreme Court. And all of our listeners need to get out and vote. Make sure you're voting for those Ohio Supreme Court candidates, and this is one of the reasons why. And then there are some other judicial candidates, some appellate courts and some other courts, you know, juvenile courts, things like that are going to be on the ballot. So what we think is going to happen, and and it's not official, but, you know, May 3rd is going to be all of those. And then there's a special election, which is scheduled for August 2nd. The Secretary of State has not explicitly said this, but everyone assumes that, okay, August 2nd is going to be the date for this second primary, where it's going to be Ohio House, Ohio Senate, and then the Central Committee races. And if they don't, if they're not able to get their act together by August 2nd, I don't know what they're going to do because November, that's the general election. Yes, yeah, so I, it, it's hard for me to imagine they, that they won't do everything they can to be ready by August 2nd. It's, a, it's been a total mess. It's also made BFA's endorsement process trickier, right? Because we're not for sure who is in what district until these lines are written. So, you know, for those who have been wondering, hey, guys, don't you have your endorsements out by now? I know we have some of them done that we've revealed, Dean, but there's a reason why we haven't published any for the state house. And the reason is we can't be sure who is in what district yet. Right. And that that's the bulk of the grading and the endorsements every year because that's where our laws get passed in the House and the Senate here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. We generally don't worry as much about all the other races. Those are the ones that are really important. We think it's going to happen on August 2nd. It better happen on August 2nd. If it doesn't, right. I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Because, uh, you know, they're just going to have to figure it out one way or the other. I I think that what might happen is that we just end up with an election. It's not going to be legal, but people are going to shrug and say, you know what? We just, we had to have the election. So this is just the way it is. And then there'll probably be a lot of lawsuits. Well, and I think part of the problem is when they passed this constitutional amendment a few years back, you know, to create this bipartisan process. They just installed every buzzword that you'd ever want. It's got to be equitable to this. It's got to be well-balanced to that. You can't break up cities. You can't cross county lines. You know, all these different rules. And, and what that means is, is that opponents of the lines will always have grounds to bring it to court. And that's what's happened here. So, you know, Maureen O'Connor has been the swing vote. You mentioned the Supreme Court races. Uh, she's retiring. And so control of this court is up for grabs. You know, the the way that this comes out, this election for Supreme Court will determine whether we get more of this stuff in terms of drawing the lines or whether we're going to have a return to some level of sanity. So normally you don't hear people say, boy, you better get out and vote for Supreme Court judges, right? But this is a very important election when it comes to state Supreme Court and people need to do their homework. Yeah, and we've got our grades and endorsements on the website, BuckeyeFirearms.org. When you go there, you're going to see it. It's right on the homepage. There's a big picture. It says 2022 election. Click the link on that, and that'll take you directly to the page that has all the grades and endorsements that we've issued for U.S. Senate, U.S. House, for the statewide races. Go all the way down 
go all the way down that page because we've got the justices of the Supreme Court and we have our endorsements listed there. Please vote top to bottom when you uh, when you vote. Don't just vote on the those top races, which a lot of people do, because uh, if there's any race that you need to vote in, that's the one mm-hmm. for the Ohio Supreme Court. And we have endorsements there. We don't do grades for judges, technically, because they're not supposed to answer specific issue questions, but we do have endorsements. Please look at that, BuckeyeFirearms.org, before you vote. Voting is happening right now, Rob. I mean, that's right. uh, there's, there's early voting. The in-person voting is coming up. What I'm wondering is, we know from studies that Democrats kind of prefer the mail-in ballots and the, the early voting. Republicans sort of prefer voting in person or whatever. Do you think that the way this is this is all kind of falling out, do you think it's going to affect pro-gun candidates because some people are, are just not going to go to the polls? Yeah, well, gosh, you know, that's, that's a huge concern. You know, that's what happened in the last major election, you know, and, uh, you know, with the uh, Senate seats down in Georgia, you know, Republicans have grown not, not to trust the vote by mail programs. And so they didn't utilize them. I guess my message would be this. If you're not going to get out and vote on May 3rd, then you must vote by mail. So it's one or the other, which can't afford to do is not vote because as Dean says, you know, the Democrats have developed a very good mail machine. They will participate through the mail. So we don't have to vote by mail if we don't want to, but we definitely need to vote. And, and so I would encourage you, you know, if you don't want to get out or you're worried about a bad weather day, you know, take advantage and vote by mail because we definitely, we cannot afford to have that court skew toward the Democrats because once that happens, you know, the control of the legislature that has allowed us to get bills done, like the repeal of duty to retreat, like permitless carry, those things won't be uh, possible under a Democrat regime. That's right. Have to have the right people in office to get the bills passed. That's just the way it is. Elections have consequences, as they say. So if you're sitting at home and you're not voting and we're not able to pass bills, shame on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got to help us get the right people in office so that we can get down there, do the lobbying we do. And so Rob can do his job because he's got to have something to work with down at the state house. And uh, again, on those Supreme Court races, please, you know, don't just vote top of the ticket, vote all the way down. Yes, absolutely. And, and for God's sake, get out and vote. You know, I heard a lot of people talk about how they're worried elections are rigged and, you know, whether or not there's irregularities in elections or not, it is a Democrat's wet dream that we would all stay home because we're worried the election is rigged. You know, Republican voters, pro-gun voters, you've got to get out and vote or we'll be subject to more bills like Galonsky's bill that we started off talking about. Or, you know, like Nikki Fried's attempt down in Florida to repeal preemption, right? That, that, that'll be our way of life if Democrats get control. So we cannot afford not to participate. Rob, what happens in football if one team just walks off the field? The other team wins, right? Yeah, yes, it's a forfeit. That's exactly right. So, you know, you can't just walk off the field, regardless of what you think about voting. You got to get out there and do it anyway. You have to. And, and understand this, all this talk by Democrats about how they would like to have fair lines will come to a screeching halt 
at the point in which they're the ones drawing the lines, right? All you have to do is look at the lines being drawn right now in New York, where federal judges have thrown out their lines because they're so skewed to the left, right? Or in California. So the idea that these mean Republicans are drawing politically skewed lines that only help them, the bottom line is this. Elections have consequences. You said that. It is the truth. I think it actually is unfair to the voters of Ohio to not reward them for the people they vote for. Republicans have won Ohio repeatedly in recent years, and that gives them the right to draw the lines. And this whole idea that the losing team should also get to decide this issue, you know, it's not about the losing team. It's about the will of the people. And the people in Ohio have voted for Republicans, and that should include the drawing of these lines. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Well, Rob, I just want to cover one more story. Don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but um, this involves the ATF. So everybody remembers that uh, Biden, not that long ago, nominated David Chipman, who was just this big old gun control nut, and uh, he was kind of outed, and BFA helped uh, spread the word. He failed to get the nomination in the Senate because there was just this huge pushback against him. He was clearly and vocally anti-gun, about as anti-gun as you could get. So that kind of fell by the wayside. But here we are again on April 11th, the Biden administration announced the nomination of somebody we know from here in Ohio, uh, Stephen Dettelbach. Am I saying that right? Stephen Dettelbach. And, And the nomination is for him to be the new head of the ATF. So this is basically just Biden doubling down on his attempt to put a gun control advocate in charge of the ATF, which is a law enforcement agency. So they want a gun grabber as the head of the ATF. Rob Dettelbach ran for attorney general here in Ohio back in 2018. You know, we gave him an F grade. The NRA gave him an F grade. He was endorsing gun bans, restrictions on firearm transfers, expansion of the prohibitions on who can lawfully possess a firearm. So clearly this is an anti-gun guy. What do, what do you think is going to happen? Is this just going to be like rinse and repeat? Well, I hope so, right? You know, the, uh, the original candidate couldn't get the support of the Senate to be confirmed. I would hope that they would do the same thing with Dettelback. I think Ohio gun owners need to get out and, and communicate with their uh, senators that they oppose this guy. But of course, you know, we'll need to see that happen all over the country because this guy would be a disaster as head of the ATF. We've already seen the Biden administration wanting to use regulatory authority to ban certain firearms and firearm components. We've heard about all this nonsense about ghost guns and all that bit. We can expect to see a barrage of this stuff with this guy at the head of ATF. So, you know, I hope the Senate follows through and and rejects this one the same way they did with the previous nominee going back to elections have consequences you know that that uh, senate seat here in ohio it matters for reasons like this right i mean this this guy's his confirmation could wind up being early next year for all we know and so you know rob portman is retiring from the u.s senate that seat is very much up for grabs we've seen that the republican primary has been how do you want to say it, Dean? Eventful? <laughs> <laughs> wacky? Yes, wacky. wacky. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> but I would say this. Republicans need to get their act together because 
if uh, if Tim Ryan gets that seat, that's one step closer to a fully controlled Democratic United States Senate. So that's a uh, that's another key race. Well, and then we've seen a recent story about how the ATF is now targeting FFLs, federal firearms uh, licensed dealers, trying to get their licenses revoked for you know minor paperwork issues if they fill out mm-hmm. a form incorrectly or whatever. They'll just revoke their license. So this this is a pretty blatant attempt just to try to reduce the number of people who are able to sell guns. I mean, this is this is like you know the the uh, what what do they say the uh, the fox guarding the hen house. You know, we we want to put people in charge of firearms who are anti-gun, who don't yes. like guns, and it's just repeated efforts to make this happen. I think the NRA. I believe I got an email. That they're starting their campaign against Dettelback already. And so if you get one of those emails from the NRA, we'll probably have something up on the website about it. Certainly, you need to participate, push back against this guy like you push back against Chipman. You know, all of our voices really do matter. Uh, you know, let's let's not allow somebody who's anti-gun to become head of the ATF. That's just disastrous for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, probably the most important federal position to deal with firearms. So, Rob, anything else in the news you want to go over? Or is that pretty much it for this week? <laughs> well, is that not enough? A, yeah, that <laughs> that was quite a bit, wasn't it? Uh, it's it's a crazy time right now. You know, I I I guess I just returned back to this. We definitely need to vote. If you're pro gun, you need to vote because there's just a lot at stake in the outcome of this upcoming election, whether it be the Ohio Supreme court or control of the United States Congress, we need to vote and be heard. So one more time, go to our website, buckeyefirearms.org right there on the front page. You're going to see a link to our grades and endorsements. Have a look at that before you go vote. You know, you can just print it out if you're going to vote by mail, but if you're going to go to the polls, you know, I always take a cheat sheet, Rob, I don't know, what you do, but I, uh, uh, I will write out all the candidates that I'm going to vote for, or I get a, a sample ballot, and I just mark it. And I mark one up for myself. I mark one up for my wife, and we just take that in with us to make sure that we get everything right, even for people that I might not know all that well, but I've got you know grades and endorsements, and I know how to vote. So mm-hmm. you know, make sure that that you're voting again, top to bottom. Look at all our grades and endorsements at BuckeyeFirearms.org, and please, please vote. Okay, Rob, thanks uh, for spending more time with us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Dean. It's been great. Thank you very much. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.